Chapter Twenty Three of the Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty Three, The Reign of Terror. Those shining millions around thee stand for the sake of him at thy right hand. Think of the souls he died for here, thus wandering in darkness, in doubt and fear. The powers of darkness are all abroad. They own no saviour, and they fear no God. And we are trembling in dumb dismay. O oh, turn not thou thy face away. Hog. It was late in the evening when Carlos emerged from his chamber. How the intervening hours had passed he never told any one. But this much is certain. He contended with and overcame a wild, almost uncontrollable impulse to seek refuge in flight. His reason told him that this would be to rush upon certain destruction. So sedulously guarded were all the ways of egress, and so watchful and complete, in every city and village of the land, was the inquisitorial organization, not to speak of the hermandad, or brotherhood, a kind of civil police, always ready to cooperate with the ecclesiastical authorities. Still, if he could not be saved, Juan might and should. This thought was growing gradually clearer and stronger in his bewildered brain and aching heart, while he knelt in his chamber, finding a relief in the attitude of prayer though few and broken were the words of prayer that passed his trembling lips. Indeed, the burden of his cry was this, Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Thou that carest for us, forsake us not in our bitter need. For thine is the kingdom, even yet thou reignest. This was all he could find to plead, either on his own behalf or on that of his imprisoned brethren, though for them his heart was wrung with unutterable anguish. Once and again did he repeat, thine is the kingdom and the power thine o father thine o lord and saviour thou canst deliver us it was well for him that he had wanted to save he rose at last and added to the letter previously written to his brother a few lines of most earnest entreaty that he would on no account return to seville but then recollecting his own position he marvelled greatly at his simplicity in purposing to send such a letter by the king's post an institution which, strange to say, Spain possessed at an earlier period than other in their country in Europe. If he should fall under suspicion, his letter would be liable to detention and examination, and might thus be the means of involving Juan in the very peril from which he sought to deliver him. A better plan soon occurred to him. That he might carry it out, he descended late in the evening to the cool, marble-paved court, or patio, in the centre of which the fountain ever murmured and glistened, surrounded by tropical plants, some of them in gorgeous bloom. As he had hoped, one solitary lamp burned like a star in a remote corner, and its light illumined the form of a young girl seated in a low chair, before an inlaid ebony table, writing busily. Doña Beatrice had excused herself from accompanying the family on an evening visit, that she might devote herself in undisturbed solitude to the composition of her first love-letter. Indeed, her first letter of any kind, for short as he intended his absence to be, Juan had stipulated for this consolation, and induced her to promise it, and she knew that the king's post went northwards the next day, passing by Nuera on his way to the towns of La Mancha. So engrossing was her occupation that she did not hear the step of Carlos. He drew near and stirred behind her. Pearls, golden agni, and a scarlet flower or two were twined in her glossy raven hair, and the lamp shed a subdued radiance over her fine features, which glowed through their delicate olive with the rosy light of joy. An exquisite, though not very costly, perfume, 
that carlos in other days always associated with her presence still continued a favorite with her and filled the place around with fragrance it brought back his memory to the past to that wild faint yet enchanting dream the brief romance of his life but there was no time now even for a dream within a dream there was only time to thank god from the depths of his soul that in all the wide world there was no heart that would break for him Doña Beatriz, he said gently she started and half turned a bright flush mounting to her cheek you are writing to my brother and how know you that senor don carlos asked the young lady with a little innocent affectation but carlos standing face to face with terrible realities pushed aside her pretty arts as one hastening to succor a dying man might push aside a branch of wild roses that impeded his path i most earnestly request of you senora to convey to him a message from me and wherefore can you not write to him yourself senor licentiate is it possible senora that you know not what has happened vaya vaya don carlos how you startle one do you mean these horrible arrests carlos found that a few strong plain words were absolutely necessary in order to make beatrix understand his brother's peril she had listened hitherto to don juan's extracts from scripture and the arguments and exhortations founded thereon conscious indeed that these were secrets which should be jealously guarded yet unconscious that they were what the church and the world branded as heresy consequently although she heard of the arrest of losada and his friends with vague regret and apprehension she was far from distinctly associating the crime for which they suffered with the name dearest to her heart she was still very young and she had not thought much she had only loved and she blindly followed him she loved without caring to ask whither he was going himself or whither he was leading her when at last carlos made her comprehend that it was for reading the scriptures and talking of justification by faith alone that losada was thrown into the dungeons of the triana a thrilling cry of anguish broke from her lips hush senora said carlos and for once his voice was stern if even your little blackfoot page heard that cry it might ruin all but beatrix was unused to self-control another cry followed and there were symptoms of hysterical tears and laughter carlos tried a more potent spell hush senora he repeated we must be strong and silent if we are to save don juan she looked piteously up at him repeating save don juan yes senora listen to me you at least are a good catholic you have not compromised yourself in any way you say your angelus you make your vows you bring flowers to our lady's shrine you are safe she turned round and faced him her cheek dyed crimson and her eyes flashing i am safe is that all you have to say who cares for that what is my life worth patience dear senora your safety aids in securing his listen you are writing to him tell him of the arrests for hear of them he must use the language about heresy which will occur to you but which god help me i could not use then pass from the subject write aught else that comes to your mind but before closing your letter say that i am well in mind and body and would be heartily recommended to him and that i most earnestly request of him for our common good and the better arrangement of our affairs not to return to seville but to remain at nuera he will understand that lay your own commands upon him your commands remember senora to the same effect i will do all that but here come my aunt and cousins it was true already the porter had opened for them the gloomy outer gate and now the gilt and filigreed inner door was thrown open also 
and the returning family party filled the court. They were talking together, not quite so gaily as usual, but still eagerly enough. Dania Sancho soon drew near to Beatrix, and began to rally her upon her occupation, threatening playfully to carry away and read the unfinished letter. No one addressed a word to Carlos, but that might have been mere accident. It was, however, scarcely accidental that his aunt, as she passed him on her way to an inner room, drew her mantilla closer round her, lest his deep-laced fringe might touch his clothing. Shortly afterwards, Doña Sancha dropped her fan. According to custom, Carlos stooped for it, and handed it to her with a bow. The young lady took it mechanically, but almost immediately dropped it again with a look of scorn, as if polluted by his touch. Its delicate carved ivory, the work of Moorish hands, lay in fragments on the marble floor, and from that moment Carlos knew that he was under the ban, that he stood alone amidst his uncle's household, a suspected and degraded man. It was not wonderful. His intimacy with the monks of San Isodro, his friendship with Don Juan Ponce de Leon, and with the physician Losada were all well-known facts. Moreover, had he not taught at the College of Doctrine under the direct patronage of Fernando de San Juan, another of the victims, and there were other indications of his tendencies, which could scarcely escape notice, once the suspicions of those who lived under the same roof with him were awakened. For a while he stood silent, watching his uncle's countenance, and marking the frown that contracted his brow whenever his eye turned towards him. But when Don Manuel passed into a smaller saloon that opened upon the court, Carlos followed him boldly. They stood face to face, but could scarcely see each other. The room was darkness, save for a few struggling moonbeams. "'Senor, my uncle,' said Carlos, "'I fear my presence here is displeasing to you.' Don Manuel paused before replying. "'Nephew,' he said at length, "'you have been lamentably imprudent. The saints grant you have been no worse.' A moment of strong emotion will sometimes bring out in a man's face characteristic lineaments of his family, in calmer seasons not traceable there. Thus it is with features of the soul. It was not the gentle, timid Don Carlos who spoke now, it was Alvarez de Santiano Simonaya. There was both pride and courage in his tone. If it has been my misfortune to offend my honored uncle, to whom I owe so many benefits, I am sorry, though I cannot charge myself with any fault. But I should be faulty indeed were I to prolong my stay in a house where I am no longer what, thanks to your kindness, senor, my uncle, I have ever been hitherto a welcome guest. Having spoken thus, he turned to go. Stay, young fool cried don manuel who thought the better of him for his proud words they raised him in his estimation from a mark for his scorn to a legitimate object for his indignation there spoke your father's voice but i tell you for all that you shall not quit the shelter of my roof i thank you you may spare the pains i ask you not for i prefer to remain in ignorance to what perilous and foolhardy lengths your intimacy with heretics may have gone without being a qualificator of heresy myself i can tell that you smell of the fire and indeed young man were you anything less than alvarez de Manaya, i would hardly scorch my own fingers to hold you out of it the devil to whom in spite of all your fair appearances i fear you belong might take care of his own but since truth is the daughter of god you shall have it from my lips and the plain truth is that I have no desire to hear every cur-dog in Seville barking at me and mine, nor to see our ancient and honorable name dragged through the mire and filth of the streets. I have never disgraced that name. Have I not said that I desire no protestations from you? 
whatever my private opinion may be it stands upon our family honor to hold that yours is still unstained therefore not from love as i tell you plainly but from motives that may perchance prove stronger in the end i and mine extend to you our protection i am a good catholic a faithful son of mother church but i freely confess i am no hero of the faith to offer up upon its shrine those that bear my own name i pretend not to such heights of sanctity not i and don manuel shrugged his shoulders i entreat of you senor my uncle to allow me to explain don manuel waved his hand with a forbidding gesture none of thy explanations for me he said i am no silly cock to scratch till i find the knife dangerous secrets had best be let alone this i will say however that of all the contemptible follies of these evil times this last one of heresy is the worst if a man will lose his soul in the name of common sense let him lose it for fine houses broad lands a duke's title an archbishop's coffers or something else good at least in this world but to give it all up and to gain nothing save fire here and fire again hereafter it is sheer blank idiocy i have gained something said carlos firmly i have gained a treasure worth more than all i risk more than life itself what is there really a meaning in this madness have you and your friends a secret don manuel asked in a gentler voice and not without curiosity for he was the child of his age and then carlos told him that the heretics had made the discovery of the philosopher's stone he would have seen nothing worthy of disbelief in the statement he would only have asked him for proofs the knowledge of god in christ began carlos eagerly gives me joy and peace is that all cried don manuel with an oath fool that i was to imagine for half an idle minute that there might be some grain of common sense still left in your crazy brain but since it is only a question of words and names and mystical doctrines i have the honor to wish you good evening senor don carlos only i command you as you value your life and prefer a residence beneath my roof to a dungeon in the triana to keep your insanity within bounds and to conduct yourself so as to avert suspicion on these conditions we will shelter you eventually if it can be done with safety we may even ship you out of the spains to some foreign country where heretics rogues and thieves are permitted to go at large so saying he left the room carlos was stung to the quick by his contempt but remembered at last that it was a fragment of the true cross really the first that had fallen to his lot given to him to wear in honour of his master sleep would not visit his eyes that night the next day was the sabbath a day he had been wont to welcome and enjoy but never again should the reformed church of seville meet in the upper room which had been the scene of so much happy intercourse the next reunion was appointed for another place a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens Doña Isabella de Bena and Losada were in the dungeons of the Triana. Fray Cassiodoro de Reina, singularly fortunate, has succeeded in making his estate. Fray Constantino, on the other hand, had been among the first arrested, but Carlos went as usual to the cathedral, where that eloquent voice would never again be heard. A heavy, silent gloom, like that which precedes a thunderstorm, seemed to fill the crowded aisles. Yet it was there that the first gleam of comfort reached the breaking heart of Carlos, it came to him through the familiar words of the latin service love from childhood he said afterwards to the trembling child of one of the victims whose desolated home he dared to visit for myself horror took hold of me 
i dared not to think i scarce dared to pray save in broken words that were only like cries of pain the first thing that helped me was that grand verse in the te deum chanted by the sweet childish voices of the cathedral choir to the victo mortis aculeo apuesti credentibus regna coelorum think dear friends not death alone but its sting its sharpness for us and our beloved he has overcome and they and we in him the gates of the kingdom of heaven stand open opened by his hands and neither men nor fiends can shut them again such words as these did carlos take opportunity to speak to many of the bereaved ones from whom the desire of their eyes had been taken by a stroke far more bitter than death this ministry of love did not greatly increase his own peril since the less he deviated from his ordinary habits of life the less suspicions he was likely to awaken but had it been otherwise he was not now in a position to calculate perhaps he was to a new heaven at all events he had already ventured too much for christ's sake not to be willing at his call to venture a little more meanwhile the isolation of his position in his uncle's house grew overpowering no one reproached him no one taunted him not even gonsalvo he often longed for some bitter word ay though it were a curse to break the oppressive silence every eye looked upon him with hatred and scorn every hand shrank from the slightest most accidental contact with his almost he came to consider himself what all others considered him polluted degraded under the ban once and again would he have sought escape by flight from an atmosphere in which it seemed more and more impossible to breathe but flight meant arrest and arrest beside its overwhelming terrors for himself meant the danger of betraying one his uncle and his uncle's family though they seemed now to scorn and hate him had promised to save him if they could and so far he trusted them end of chapter twenty three